There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5K. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Welcome to the fourth edition of Ask Hustle Share. We apologize if we didn't get to upload last week. I went under the weather. Don't worry, it's not COVID. It's just a random sipon that I had to go battle through. And the thing is, when you're a podcaster, you can't have sipon uh, when you're doing this because you sound like a muppet. I don't want to sound like a muppet in my own show, so apologize. But we are back with a vengeance because today we're going to be talking about. Founders and what makes them investable. And again, shout out to the question sender. And this wasn't sent to us via email. Again, if you have some questions before we get started, please, 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 please go ahead and send that to ask at hustleshare.com and we'll do our best to feature your question and find the right has- hustler, hustler, uh, hustler to answer it. And today, again, uh, the question sender. Through Startup PH is Michelle Perez Patel who asked us questions about being an investable founder. And again, just like always, we have to have the right hustler on the show. And I had to go to my Rolodex and get the most qualified to answer this because they've been investing like crazy over the past couple of months. But before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show 
our investor in Podcast Network Asia, and again, one of the most active VCs in the country who is leading Foxmont Capital, a Philippine-focused VC firm. Let's welcome to the show, Franco Verona. Hey. Wow. Hi, everybody. Look thanks, at that. Uh, thanks for having me back. I, I'm surprised that people want to hear me again, but thank you. Absolutely. And again, uh, look, look at you. Look at look at how that sounds. Like you hear that? That's a podcast network Asia sound. There you go. Yeah. Care of Podcast Network Asia. Thank you very much, Ron. So again, Franco, thanks very much. I know you're very busy looking for the best startups and the best startup founders out there. But today we're going to be talking about the qualities of a startup founder that makes them investable, right? And other than, of course, the typical DDs, the, the stuff that you see in the data room, there are intangibles that VCs look for, right? That might either give you a green flag or a red flag. Now, that's what we want to dissect today. So let's get straight to the point. For question number one, again, sent by Michelle Perez Patel. The question is, what is the question you typically ask founders that they're not expecting to be asked? Like, could yeah. you tell from their reaction and makes them think very hard? So again, yeah. I think this is a curveball question that you typically ask. It always happens in a job interview or whatnot. Yeah. But for, for you guys, what's that curveball that you usually throw? Yeah, it's like the Google style, like how many tennis balls fit in a Yes, <laughs> the bullshit yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like trying to figure out how you think about and, and, and think through a problem. Yeah, I mean, those are those are such great questions. And I, I myself have encountered them in the past as well, right? You know, what's interesting about, you know, talking to founders for the first or even second time and getting to know them is that, yeah, it oftentimes does feel like a job interview yeah. in many cases, even other venture capital firms out of like Singapore, for example, or the States, they really do, you know, they tell me that they consider themselves headhunters. They just say like, hey, look, at the end of the day, we're headhunters. <laughs> yes. The only uh, difference is you give the money in bulk, not in increments in salaries. I mean, I mean, that's that's really what it is to be a, like a founder-focused venture capital firm, which of course, um, Foxmon is, right? So I can actually see why there would be an immediate correlation made between pitching a business to a venture capital firm Right. And, you know, interviewing for a job like Google or Facebook, where they ask these types of questions. But for me at, and, and for us at Foxmont, we see the first meeting or two with founders as really sessions of getting to know you. And it's yeah. not really about like an aha, like gotcha moment. You know what I mean? Where, you know, it's, it's like one question kind of helps define, mm -hmm. define the founder. Mm -hmm. It's more really a sum of many parts uh, mm -hmm. that make the decision, right? So for me, there's basically maybe five things wow. I look for during our conversation. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this is just a natural course of the conversation, right? I right. mean, these, these are not exact questions. It's just that the way that they're answered, how knowledgeable they are. So yeah, so going, going to it, I think, you sure. know, first, are they extremely knowledgeable in their industry and sector? Are they applying previous knowledge and skills to this new business, right? Do they know their business well? That's the second. Um, right. They looked at all possible angles and challenges and thought about how to address them. Uh, third is, is their logic sound? And are they solving their problem in a sound and sustainable way? The fourth is, are they resilient? And what sort of challenges have they faced in the past? Right. How do they bring that to the table, right? And the last actually is one of the most important. Are they flexible and open to suggestions? Um, yes. This is a little bit kind of related to humility as well. At the end of the day, when you're a founder fundraising, it's interesting because 
first of all, you have to have the confidence to be able to run your own business, right? That's for sure. But the other side of it is if you're fundraising, what you're actually doing is actually asking partners to come take part in your journey. Right. If you're doing that, then you also must have the humility to be able to listen to suggestions. Correct. And I remember this again, the shout out to um, Ask Hustle Share number three with Joe and Yao of Kickstart, which you guys work closely together yeah. to find and find also the best things. One of the biggest knocks back when I was a first time founder is I was stubborn as fuck. <laughs> and again, shiny object syndrome. And again, hindsight being 2020. I thought that just because I'm passionate, I saw something. It was very hard for me to get feedback. Yeah. And that is a red flag. Hindsight now, I wouldn't even invest in me because though I was passionate and I, I was very articulate, but if if someone told you that there is a pothole ahead and you still want to plow through just because you, you're passionate about it, then you're running the whole wagon to the ground, not right. just you, right? So again, it's the type of decisions that you're going to make. And if you're not coachable, if you don't get feedback properly, and if you don't let it simmer it in, and just because you're egotistic towards the type of shots you want to call just because you raise X amount, whatever, then that's dangerous. And that's dangerous because this is something personal. I've, I was like that before. And only failure can actually balance that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's very true. I mean, listen, even, even us at, at Foxmont, you know, all three of the partners, we've failed. I have failed multiple times in my life. Yeah. And I want to be able to... You know, as a, as a partner, as an investor, I want to be able to speak to the founders and help them kind of avoid those potholes. But it's very right. hard. I'm telling you, I know this for a fact. It's very hard for founders to to actually like to listen because, of course, you all founders have this great vision of what the the business should be and will be, right. and rightfully so. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very hard to like have this vision, but then have you know like you know Foxmont or whoever have mm-hmm. this voice be like, hey, hey, be careful. You know, do, you should maybe think about this and that. Right, but it's it's extremely important, I think, to take that you know humility. Um, Correct. And help build something bigger. And from a founder's point of view, I'd like just like to add. I remember being perplexed all the time whenever I get feedback or suggestions, and before I couldn't. Simran was like, "Is this an order, or is this a suggestion?" Again, hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah. I then understood that every single feedback you should always take with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. They're well-meaning majority of the time. Sometimes they're executed well, sometimes they're not. But at the end of the day, you got to sift through the emotions and go through, through the facts that is being given to you. And that takes, again, a lot of humility and self-mastery to decipher. But the second thing also that you need to do is, aside from taking it with a grain of salt, you have to look at the background of the person giving the advice. Right? What is their agenda? Where are they coming from? Right? Because typically the type of suggestions and, and feedback they give will always reflect from the roots. So there yeah, they are. Very true. Now, second question. What question or questions do you ask founders that reveal so much about them as builders, entrepreneurs, human beings you want to back or not back? Right. So I'm going to answer this in two different ways because, again, there's three partners in Foxmont. And, and, and the way that I ask questions is very different from the way that my partners ask questions. And, and actually, we encourage that, right? Because it's all about healthy debates and, and looking at every founder and every business from a different perspective. So actually, even for us, right? It's all about humility and, and debate. Sometimes, right. you know, I'll champion a business or some of my partners will champion another business. And it's always about questioning hard about sure. it. 
right? So the way I see it is it's more about the way that they present their business, right? If they're comfortable with their deck, if they're able to express their thoughts and the business clearly and confidently, and if they can basically, I mean, you'll be, I'm going to throw curveballs no matter what. I'm going to ask questions in the middle of the deck, you know, about, you know, traction. I'm going to ask about the product market fit. I'm going to ask about, you know, historical projections. And they, they have to be pretty, you know, knowledgeable about all of that before, mm-hmm. you know, I can even consider, you know, going to the next steps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my partners, on the other hand, he always ha- asks almost the same question every single time if he's in a call with me. And he says, you know, and then this is actually very relevant for the Philippines more specifically. Sure. He'll say something like, you know, well, can't a larger player just come in and do exactly what you're doing? Right. Wouldn't they easily succeed with more money and more resources? If you think about it, that is a very valid question in the context of the Philippines, given, you know, there's always a handicap, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And your competitors will inevitably be larger players, be the, be conglomerates or, you know, international players, but there's always going to be a bigger player because, well, at the end of the day, you're starting a business. Now, if you think about it, the answer to that is very revealing, right? right? How do you address that inherent extremely difficult challenge and succeed. So yeah, that, you know, that's, that, you know, will tell us a lot about the way that, you know, builders and, and, and founders will face adversity, will mm-hmm. be flexible, and will actually, you know, think about problems in multiple dimensions, basically. Absolutely. And I, and I agree because I, again, I mentor a lot of the grassroots founders. That's always been my calling now, my vacation. I put my money where my mouth is. I don't just talk here. Again, this is an avenue to get to more people because I, this, it's virtually impossible to get into one-on-one with everybody. But a lot of the first-time founders would have the mistake of identifying their TAM or the total addressable market as their real addressable market, thinking that they'll get that overnight. Right. So like the TAM is 115 million Filipinos, basically. Right. And they'll say that they, this is a $20 billion industry and it looks like it's gonna, they're going to dominate them. Right. There's a reason why people don't do that because it's hard. Right. And again, hindsight being 2020, after failure and after getting an acquisition done, then you have a real balance. But the reason why I would say that that reveals about what a founder sees is how they actually recognize the opportunity in which part of the market they can actually, it's, it's virtually unguarded. Because a lot of founders are like, oh shoot, $20 billion industry, whatever. And I'll go straight ahead and then really realize you're going to the walls of Troy and you have no way to penetrate that. Right. You're going to go head on. But if you see a founder that can actually, yeah, there's a wall of Troy, but I can build the Trojan horse and shove it in there and penetrate it from within, right? Yes. And that shows you a lot. No, that's very, I mean, that's, that's exactly right. We have many founders uh, today within the portfolio that really do tell us like, hey, listen, you know, I've got, <laughs> you know, this is my immediate problem. And yes, I'm going to face it head on. And this is the product that will face it head on. However, I mean, just to use your, your exact term, Trojan horse. However, I have a second product, let's say, or a second solution that does, you know, find a backdoor or that ah. does, you know, find a different way in. Um, so that just in case the first one doesn't work out, then I do have a second way in um, to address the same market. Yeah, that's a different level already, man. I mean, that's already like holy, like mind blowing. And I'll tell you more about, you know, that sort of founder later on. But, the, you know, those are the types of guys that, you know, 
you know, again, looking at it in multiple dimensions, you know, fighting through the challenges and really seeing the end goal without necessarily having the path set. They can divert and whatever, but still wind up in the same, you know, finish line. Correct. And that also is a sign that that founder is problem obsessed. They're not solution centric. Because a lot of founders, especially again, coming from first time entrepreneur, tend to fall in love with their solution without understanding it. Hey, am I really being obsessed by solving the problem now? Or am I just, you know, narcissistic towards my solution as the only way, right? Yes. Humility, right? At the end of the day, there needs to be some humility. Humility towards, you know, your partners, your investors, and really towards the problem. You have to be humble towards the problem itself. And actually, sorry, just to, just a, a little bit more on the point of, of humility, mm-hmm. you know, so, some of the great teams and founders that we've had are the ones that do have a strong like co-founder or partner. And that actually really does kind of push that humility, you know, point, counterpoint, mm-hmm. you know, debate, healthy debate. That sort of stuff is so important in the context, again, of the Philippines. I think that's something that, um, that we always look out for as well is a good sort right. of founder. Yeah. Okay, now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk about what other traits or the founders that are investable possess. But let's talk about that more after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from a break. We are still with Branko Verona of Boxmont Capital, who again is helping us dissect what makes a founder investable. 
at least uh, the traits aside from what you see in the DDs and the data rooms and whatnot. Because again, that that's always the fundamental stuff. But again, in any investment, especially in Asia, the intangibles matter. There's a small town, a small ecosystem. You know what you say goes out. And again, I remember this from my first uh, startup. One of the best advice that I've always received, and I fucked up on this in Party File, is don't burn bridges. Mm. Because what your peers say about you also reflect the type of founder you are. And once that reputation, again, uh, reputation takes years to build, but it takes overnight to destroy. Right, so if you realize that, you'd be more careful, right? Because you can't make too many enemies if you want to go to the moon. You want to have as many allies as possible to get you there. All right, Franco. Now the next question that Michelle Perez Patel again sent over is that: Have you observed a few common traits that your investee founders, which set them apart from the rest? Now it's very intriguing. Now while you answer this, Franco, I'd need to get some examples from yeah. the Foxmont portfolio. About the traits that you're going to tell us today. Sure. So, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll actually give examples from pre-Foxmont and and now at Foxmont. Okay. Game. So, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to work closely with successful founders and, and builders even before my time at Foxmont. Right. Sure. I think probably the best example would actually be Anthony Tan of Grab. Yeah. So, as you know, the Philippines was country number two. So, in fact, I was employee number nine, I think, in Grab in 2013 wow. or 2012. Um, so I, ha- I was lucky enough to have this great opportunity to work extremely closely with Anthony as he rolled out country number two. I mean, the guy was here literally every week. I don't even know wow. how he had the time to run both Malaysia and uh, the Philippines and roll out Thailand, by the way, you know, all at the same time because he was so hands-on. With guys like Anthony, it is really the total commitment and laser focus to the business, right? I mean, it was so rare to have a conversation with Anthony that was not about the business. Do you know what I mean? That was not chasing the KPIs. And at that point, the KPIs were number of rides per day. You know, we'd have dinner out and it would, you know, it would be completely social, but it would still be a little bit about, you know, how do we solve this problem of getting more people to use the Grab app? It was also being comfortable with the business from all angles, right? What does that mean? That means that back then, you know, and, and you actually saw this as well, by the way, with, with Brian Koo, uh, who, right. who ran Grab Philippines for all those years, is, is really this, this idea that, okay, it's not just about like running the business from the top level and, you know, just looking at, you know, just looking at the financials, um, mm-hmm. the finances every day. But it's actually like living the life of, of this two-sided platform. So, so even right. to this day, I think you'll still see posts of Anthony like delivering grab food himself. I mean, the guy's worth like a, a billion dollars or whatever nowadays. Right. And he's public. still, right? He's still understanding all aspects of the app itself. Um, and then, of course, Brian, quite famously, same thing, would pick up passengers. You know, he was, a, he right. was like a grab driver himself, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Anthony encouraged all of us to do that you know, in the early days. And, and, and so even myself, I was, I was doing, I was, I was the driver zero in, in, in the Philippines. Um, but that's important that he infused that into the rest of the team as well. You know what I mean? Not only did he want to understand it and feel comfortable with all aspects of the app and the service and the business oh. itself, but he wanted everybody else within the company to do that. So in other words, we all lived, breathed, 
grab for that period of time. I just want to have the, the, a follow-up question on, on that trait, you know, sure. laser focus. Yeah. And again, this brought me to that very same verbatim advice that uh, I got from Nick Snelletto years back. And he said that, you know, the death kiss for an early stage startup or a startup founder is when you have conglomerate thinking. Mm. Meaning you're trying to be too many things at the same time, especially if you're going to be in a high stage startup. It's all in. You can't be a startup founder and be a YouTuber on the side. I'm not saying it's, it's not possible, but it's hard because you're, even your 100% focus is not a guarantee. And again, going back to my fr- very first Ask Hustle Share, hard work is not a guarantee. It's the bare minimum Yes, of how to succeed in a startup because there's a lot of things that needs to go right for you in order for you to get successful. There's a 90% failure rate in here. Yeah. Now, Franco, I, what I want to ask there is that if you see founders trying to be too many things at too soon, isn't that a red flag? Yeah. <laughs> well, first, I mean, I, I, you know, I want to I put it this way. Um, it's a very, I, I actually think it's a very Filipino thing to, to just try to do very many things at once. And then I think that that's that's detrimental. Yeah, it's detrimental. Definitely. Um, But it is, it is very part of our culture, right? I mean, you know, our, our, our parents, our titos and our titas, they probably have, you know, they have, you know, seven different businesses, you know, in food and in real estate and and all this different stuff. So it it was very, uh, it was a very uh, kind of, let's maybe it's a generational thing. Even it's, it was like, you know, spray and pray. Yeah, but um, why is that a, a detriment towards getting an investment? If you're too, if you're, oh, I'm in this startup. Oh, I'm in this startup too. Oh, by the way, I'm in this startup too. You know, like um, I'm confused as hell. What, what, what are you doing really? But that might be good to, you know, have multiple streams of income. But why might that be a detriment towards getting a legit investment? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, an investor is, is, is not just somebody that gives you money, but it's really somebody that's a partner in the growth of your business. What you have actually done is in, as a founder, you've convinced somebody to invest not just in yourself, but in your business and in, in your core business. You know, if you start getting, you know, if, if the investor starts hearing about all these different other businesses that they did not invest in, that you're also putting time into, of course, that's detrimental because it really does make the investors start thinking like, Wait a minute. Uh, are they what are you trying know, to do? Yeah. <laughs> didn't I just right? didn't I just invest in this business? What, what is this other one that I'm hearing about now? And you know, that's that's definitely become, you know, even in my own life, you know, I had to, you know, I made a 100% commitment to Foxmon, even though I was being pulled in many different directions at, at you know, quite recently, um and I said, you know what? I got I got to focus, you know. I got to focus on Foxmon itself. And by the way, again, just to draw an example, Anthony Tan you know, a lot of people don't know that Anthony, of course, his family uh, runs, you know, one of the largest car manufacturers in Malaysia. Um, and when he started Grab, he actually was the head of marketing for that business. Wow. Yeah. And so he started Grab and was doing that at the same time. The second that he got an investor, which was, I think back then it was Vertex was the earliest one or, or, or one, of the, one of these guys. He quit that job. And he quit that family business. And, and, and again, remember, that family business was a very comfortable one, okay? Right. And, and you know what he did? He went right back to all, at that point, nine or 10 employees uh-huh. and said to us, I am now an employee just like you guys, <laughs> right. right? 
I have, a, I have an investor. That investor has entrusted me with money. And so now I am going to focus on this business. Yeah. You know, that is taking true responsibility. Right. And that's extremely important. And in the Philippine context, that's something that I think we all have to battle against, but has to be done in order to right. succeed in the Philippines. Yes. Okay. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of right. friends offering you a lot of different things, a lot of family members saying, hey, can you make some money on the side by selling this piece of land? Hmm. But really, it's the laser focus that will get people to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, you know, if we want to draw some clear examples from the portfolio, mm-hmm. Rexy and Roland, Absolutely. you know, Rexy and Roland, Kumu, those guys arrived 2018 in the Philippines. They said, we're going to start an app. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it's still the same app. You know, it's right. not, it's, you know, it's still Kumu. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, you know, Roland's, you know, out there telling mm-hmm. me that he's, you know, yeah, I don't know, like doing something with his right, family right. as well. You know, the same goes with people like, you know, uh, Bella Gupta of Edamama, right? Do you talk about the show, by the way, in the next couple of weeks. So watch out. Nice. Nice. She's great. I mean, she's such a, she's such a great founder. And listen, the most amazing part about what Bella has, and by the way, Nish, uh, who is, you know, her co-founder and, and husband, what they have done is amazing because they basically have built Edamama again, laser focus. They're like, I'm going to solve a problem. It's moms and babies that are, that need their stuff. You know, they're high quality vetted stuff at home, vertical commerce, right? She was so focused that she was actually able to build this business while being stuck abroad, dude. Imagine She was stuck abroad this whole time since March of or May of last year. I can't remember. I think it's March of last year. Wow. And she built this amazing, amazing business, laser focus, right? She had many other opportunities as well. I mean, and she'll share that with you. But just this idea that she said, okay, I want to solve one problem. And this is the problem I'm going to solve. I'm going to commit my whole time, you know, all my time to it. Look what she was able to accomplish right. from outside of the Philippines. And that, that laser focus is only the byproduct of this very magical skill that not a lot of Filipinos have. And it's the ability to say no. Because yeah. a lot of Filipinos is like, yes, yes, okay, I'll have, oh, there's an opportunity. Not all opportunities are equal. And if you're really trying to get an investment, you want to prove to yourself and to any potential investor that this thing that you're focusing on by saying no to everything, you're saying yes to this opportunity that if you can grow this to be the only thing, it will be bigger than all the other opportunities around you combined. That's right. It is actually a very admirable trait. It's betting on yourself and your startup. Yeah. And it's betting on your idea. And it's something that, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I love to see in founders and, and, and I, lo- you know, just that even as an investor, right. As Foxmont. When we see that, let's say we cut the first ticket and, and you know, that especially if they bootstrap. Yeah. Especially if they're bootstrapping, but let's say Foxmont comes in, cuts the first ticket, you know, comes yeah. in at the seed round, you know, we see that laser focus, you know, oftentimes an investor is not just investing on the first round, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll follow on in the second and on the third and on the fourth, um, as we have done with guys like Kumu, you know, that and it's just a vote of confidence every single time. Oh, you're right. still focused. Thank you. Okay. So here we go. You know, more investment. There you go. All right. What other traits do you see that are, you know, sets people apart or the founders that are, uh, that you've invested in apart from other sort of founders that I guess are trying to carve their way into that territory? So to me, it, it, resiliency is really 
important, right? They have to have a level of grit. Yeah, that is totally unmatched. And I mean, I, when I say totally unmatched, I, I literally mean unmatched in the world. Huh? We all know the stories of you know these these founders in the U.S. or in China that are able to raise you know hundreds of millions of dollars in Series A or Series B, and are able to succeed relatively quickly, right, within the two or three year span. However, I just don't believe that China or the U.S. is as challenging a market as the Philippines, right? Yeah, you are yeah. throwing so many curveballs in the Philippines. Yep. And so I'm telling you, the founders that will come from the Philippines are going to be the most resilient ones in the world. I mean, if I were to pick mm-hmm. one and then literally say, hey, man, please, or hey, you know, person, please move to California and do the same thing. They'll do it and they will succeed like hardcore because, yeah. you know, like the internet's so fast there and the traffic is not that bad, yeah. you know, and, and, and all this stuff. And, and there's like, you know, there's easy, you know, Silicon Valley money to be raised from there. However, in the Philippines, you know, for sure, the successful ones are the ones that really look past all the challenges, right? They don't mm. care about the intermittent internet. They don't care about the traffic. They don't, complain that much about all the other challenges that are thrown at them here, because at the end of the day, they're just looking through all of that and seeing the opportunity. And so to me, and, and I think that that's, you, you see that in, in so many of our, of our, of our portfolio companies, right? So, so, you know, you see that with, with David at Zenia. So we just announced our investment in in Zenia, by the way. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're very excited. And, And, you know, of course, David is, a transplant. He, he moved here several years ago and started this business, ran the tech himself. I mean, he literally programmed the entire app. Himself. Wow. Think about this guy, man. I mean, he, he literally, you know, the guy is from New York, you know, born and raised, you know, again, great opportunities there already comes to the Philippines, sees actually identifies two problems. The first is actually how to deliver quality massages, you know, spa like services to the Philippine home without necessarily making it, you know, dirty. That's honestly, right. Yep, that's a yep. big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and making sure that it, and oh, sorry, by the way, that's also a very Kumu problem. If you think about it in the early days, right. how do you keep this, you know, this service G rated, mm. right? Not X rated. Not a problem with PNA. And we go the whole spectrum, whatever floats your boat, you'll gravitate towards that. Right. Yeah, that's so true, dude. You, you have the whole spectrum and you have the whole spectrum of audience. Right, um, right. But, but, you know, with somebody like David, he answered that. He, he did it himself. He answered that problem. He said, okay, quality control, very important in my business. I'm going to do it. And he did mm-hmm. it. He delivered super well. And then he, he had to deal with next was, of course, the pandemic. And he's like, okay, nobody wants right. a massage in their house now. What am I going to do? And he's like, well, I know what I do very well. I train and, uh, you know, I train very well. I am, my attention to quality is probably better than anybody else's in, in the Philippines. So I'm going to go into medical. I'm going to work with nurses wow. and doctors and deliver medical needs to people's homes, a hospital in your home. And he's like, traffic, whatever, you know, riders, whatever, you know, I can, I'll do it all. I will solve this problem myself and I will do it with the highest quality possible. And, and, and you know what? He's delivered. And, and again, that's resilience. I mean, think about the difficulties right. that you have to face in onboarding, you know, hundreds, thousands of nurses, you know, in right. a short period of time and deliver high quality service to somebody's home. So, yeah. So resilience is, is, is to me, super important as well. And what, what I'm hearing here is that, again, that ability to pivot, 
not mm. to pivot into oblivion because I've seen a lot of people just pivot with, without any base and just keep pivoting into until they go to the seventh level of hell with Dante's Inferno. Having the ability to pivot resources, pivot the business model in order for it to thrive again, given the, the challenges of the pandemic, that is the ultimate measurement of grit and resilience that, you know, whatever life throws at you, no matter how many lemons that get thrown at you, you're going to come up with that lemonade in the end. Is there another trait that you see uh, that's common among founders that you invested in? Because I'm pretty sure there are unique traits that's only found on certain founders, like, you know, a Roland, this ultra visionary, or, or a uh, Henry Mott Munoz, you know, or a, a, a Ben Wintel. We all have our unique traits, right? And that's important. But the commonalities, is there anything else? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's there's so much, I mean, these guys are all such uh, visionaries in their own companies. You know what I mean? Like people really look up to them because their employees believe in the vision of the business itself and the messaging of the business. So they actually are all champions of what, you know, the the business that they're building. They're statesmen in many ways um, and stateswomen in many ways of of their independent little countries, i.e. startups. Um, and, right. and that's actually very important. And actually, the last thing to me uh, is actually, and we've talked about this a lot, but I just want to you know, uh, go into it a little bit more, is this exact balance of humility and confidence. Yes. Right. It, it's really an exact, they have to be almost exactly equal in, in order to succeed in a, in a country like the Philippines when you're starting to take investors. Because listen, man, you have to have the confidence to know that you're going to succeed. But at the same time, you have to have the humility to, to listen to your investors slash partners slash co-founders, by the way, and know that, okay, you're going to get to the end line, but maybe you need some hit, hints and tips and, and pointers from, from an outsider. What's your measurement of that? What are the things you look for that uh, this guy probably has a nice balance? Because again, I'd love to think, at least from, from my point of view, I'd love to think that that balance is that silent confidence <laughs> That, you know, I, I call it, I think I said it in, in the last few episodes that it's, it's having big dick energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, big dick energy, walk into the room, you know, you have a 12 incher in there. You don't need to tell nobody and people just know it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's people like that are like that. You're confident. You don't need to be, you don't need to show bravado, but you know what you bring to the table and yeah. you're humble enough to not tell everybody like, yeah, I got a big dick. Right? Yeah. What, what, what is that like? The first thing that I actually look out for is that knee-jerk reaction, right? Because, of course, people will always, especially visionaries, especially founders, when you give them something that's a little bit counterintuitive to what they're thinking at that point, there's always going to be a knee-jerk reaction. And the first reaction will either be that they take a step back and they simmer it in. Yeah, they sit with it. They hear what you say. They rationalize it in their head. They come up with either a, a counter solution that takes your suggestion in, right? Or they, they say, okay, yeah, that's actually perfect and I'll, I'll do that. Or they, they, they say, you know what, I, I, I might not be able to do that. And these are the reasons why, you know, A, B, and C. And mm-hmm. those, those reasons are very valid points, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that already shows humility, right? Because they're, they're really taking that step back. Mm-hmm. But... If there's a knee-jerk reaction where it's like almost an immediate, like shut the door. Now, nah, you know, that's actually not what we were thinking for our business. Uh, actually, you know, this is, you know, this, you know, our vision is totally separate of that. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. That's you know that it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to back them and 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 to see ourselves as Foxmon at the very least to work with them, right? Um, because we want to work with people that are flexible and, and open. And by the way, you know, again, this is pre-pandemic. Uh, big kudos to people, you know, like like Ben, like Rexy and Roland, who we had invested in prior to the pandemic. They were awesome in allowing us to go to the office um, and, and, and really sit in and, and, you know, with Kumu specifically, they would invite me to come to the office to help them with, you know, all these different, you know, processes and right. you know, how to organize the business and all that. And yeah, I mean, it, it was such a great experience as an investor as well to be able to work closely with them. All right. Now, last question. As a VC based in the Philippines, yeah. Funding successful startups from around the world, not just here. You know, you you have a very diverse United Colors of Benetton in 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 your portfolio. Yeah. What is your vision or dream for the local startup ecosystem in the Philippines? Yeah. So actually, you know, uh, the business, but Foxmont really is is yes, we we have invested in businesses abroad, and very specifically, there's there's one that we'll announce quite soon, uh, based out of Dubai. But mm, yeah. wow. Crazy, right? I think um, I know that person. If it's Filipino, it's in, in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had yeah. him on the show. Just connect the dots. Okay. He's, he's been in Hustle Share here before. Sweet. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, that, that announcement. John Santillan. Shout out to you. There you go. There you go. But of course, we're Filipino focused, meaning that we're, you know, at the end of the day, we're always investing in, in Filipinos, you know, either Filipino founders or Filipino focused businesses. But like guys that are, you know, even if they're, even if they're foreign, um, they have chosen the Philippines as their domicile, where they're going to start their business and, and live their lives. Right. So as a, a Filipino-focused venture capital fund, I always see Foxmont, amongst the others too, by the way, huh? not, not just Foxmont mm-hmm. itself, but you know, with all the other funds that are operating here, as part of a nation-building program, man. Right. The idea is that we're trying to really just kickstart a very young startup ecosystem, and I really do believe this, and, and you, you hear me say it almost in every meeting, that this is the start. Like, literally, we are at the start line of this, right? So yep. my, my dream and my vision for this is that as we progress, really four things, right? That more entrepreneurs are actually given the opportunity to showcase Filipino ingenuity and resilience. That's okay. not just, and I don't just mean showcase abroad. I also mean showcase amongst ourselves, right? Become examples mm-hmm. of entrepreneurship, Right. Um, very few examples right now, if you think about it. Whenever you think about Philippine business, you don't necessarily think of the entrepreneurs right away, right? You think about yeah. the conglomerates, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want that to change over the next few years. That leads me to point two. I want there to be you know, Filipino champions, Filipino brands and founders that emerge that are part of the daily conversation in the Philippines, you know, like there are brands that you and I speak every day. Oh, you know, we have to pay this bill or hey, you know, this, you know, we have electricity bill is right. in and, and we have to pay this. I want that to change. I want to add to that. I want Filipino founders that are starting their businesses now to be part of that daily conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And then third, that there are more Filipino solutions to Filipino problems. Yep. Prior to this, I think, you know, you would see a lot of imported solutions, let's say, or imported ideas even. But that, I think, is also changing dramatically. And, and I hope to see more Filipino solutions to Filipino problems. And lastly, that from this first set of startup champions, which I believe we've already found, by the way, very much so, I believe we've found the champions, um, comes this 
mafia effect, right? Yes. So that because of this mafia effect that we begin to have this robust grassroots startup movement in the Philippines, right? Built from the ground up, doesn't have much, you know, um, outside oh, influence. In the yeah. <laughs> I'll just say it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. But yeah, I mean, it's just literally an ecosystem. Everybody is, is, is feeding off of each other, right? People use the word ecosystem all the time for all different ecosystems all over the world. But really, if you think about what an ecosystem is, it is, you know, one part surviving off of another part. Um, and that, you know, is my real vision, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and with movements like Sinegang Valley, you know, mafia is going to start forming and, and all these different founders, you know, kind of feeding off of each other. Yep. It's going to be great. That is my vision. That is my hope. And actually, it's not even a, a hope. Because I believe it's going to happen, dude. Yep, I just think absolutely. it's a matter of time. Right. And, and the best ecosystems always, I forgot who said this, but I saw this in Startup PH as well. The best ecosystems are always founder-led. It's us yeah. Yeah. doing the, the trudging, the plowing on the ground to not let everybody behind us get left behind. Right. 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 Whoever's up next, we got to make sure that they have a better chance succeeding what the, the ones that come before you have done. Yeah. Right? And, and by the way, Ron, you do such a great job of that yourself, right? Mm -hmm. To take all of the knowledge that you've had in, in all your prior startups mm -hmm. and, and pass that down to you know, a, a new generation. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to, you know, what, what that's what, why we have this podcast because we don't right. want it, that information just stuck with the ones who's already at the front. Yeah. You know, we got to worry the people at the back. But again, before uh, anything else, I know you're busy and thank you very much, Franco, for being on Hustle Share. But before yeah. I let you go, we ha I've seen you on the news. I've seen you on the news lately. There's uh -huh. this new fund that you guys are you're trying to raise. What's, what's that about? And if someone randomly is listening to Hustle Share and wants to invest, how do they do that? Well, listen, man, you know, Fund One, um, it was obviously we all know, you know, Fund One, we, we, we invested in Kumu, we invested in, in Podcast Network Asia, we invested in, you know, uh, actually 15 companies in total. Wow. We've announced seven so far, but actually it's 15. And what that actually proved to us, dude, is that it's it like, there's so much more to do and there's so many more founders to fund. So the $20 million Fund Two, the intent really is to, invest as much as possible back into the ecosystem, find all the founders we can um, and back them. If people want to reach out and talk about investing with us, be a partner, very happy to look for me on LinkedIn, send a message on our, our, our website, foxmontcapital.com and uh, either myself directly or, or you know, Santi or, or one of my partners will reach out. There you go. Thanks very much, Franco. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. It. If we did say some shotgun, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be part of our little community as well, meeting other Hustleshare listeners, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. And lastly, if you want to suggest a guest or again, if you want to send out a question, message us on our chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbot. Again, Franco, thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey. 
Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay.